Man United and Arsenal drew. They did, didn't they? Yeah, that was a. I mean, those goals. They were something else. <laughs> God, like we like Man United is so bad now. Yeah, you know what? It's because Mourinho isn't isn't enthusiastic. Yeah. He's trying to he's trying to be cool. He's trying to not not react to things, but it's just not good. Because when you think about it, Luke, uh, we react to things on this podcast, don't we? We so do. Yeah. It's proof that reacting to things is is good, because this podcast is very good. And that's oh, definitely. Why, yeah, I mean, it's the, the highest quality. But yeah, <laughs> like with our zero views that we get. Yeah, exactly. You know what? I feel like at some point we did like we we now have nine subscribers. Uh, I feel like that's a, a jump up from last time. I mean, I don't pay attention, so I just it's because I, I logged on uh, to to upload Creed, and I just ended up looking at, just casually looking at the subscribers, and I was like, oh, nine. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> anyway, okay, I can do the intro now. Yeah. Back up, chump, you know Biggie Small rips it quick It kicks it quick, you know how black niggas get With the hoods, with teens, with the boots, with trees Off-looking making crazy cheese Hitting buckshot, that niggas that open spots on the avenue Take my loot and I'm bagging Pippin' holes that drive bobos and rodeos Flash the roll, make a wreck in they pantyhose Damn, a nigga style is an orthodox grip the clock When I walk down, I try to block Just in case a nigga wanna act out I just black out, blow the motherfucking back out that's a real nigga for you. Hello and welcome to Select and Reflect, the movie review podcast where we look at films that have come out relatively recently at uh, the cinema and see if they still hold up upon a second watch. I am your host, Michael, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Luke. And this week we are looking at Man of Steel to celebrate DC Ember. What Luke. a great name. Luke, why don't you tell us a thing or two about Man of Steel? Sure thing, Michael. So, Man of Steel is a 2013 superhero film featuring the DC Comics character Superman. It is a British-American venture produced by DC, Legendary Pictures, and Syncopy. Um, it is the first installment in the DC Extended Universe, or the DCEU. Uh, the film is directed by Dax Snyder. It's written by David Goyer and also stars Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Michael Shannon, Kevin Costner, Diane Lane, Lawrence Fishburne, and some other people, including Russell Crowe. Uh, yes. It was released on June the 14th, 2013, in the United Kingdom and the United States. And Michael, can you tell me how much the budget was? Um, I mean, it must have been quite high. There's a lot going on. Um, I'm going to guess... I'm mean, going to guess over 100 million. I don't think they would have spent 200 million on this, though, but I think maybe maybe towards 200 million. So I'm going to go for what seems reasonable, which is 160 million. 225 million. Uh, I mean, that is I, a lot. Yeah, it like, is, yeah. DC will. Uh, well, they have a lot of faith in this cinematic <laughs> universe. They really did. They were like, hey, Marvel could do it, so we can do it as well. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Uh, I hope yeah. one day they make a black comedy about. I think basically that's in fact that's what we should do, Luke. We should make a little uh, a little kind of black comedy, uh, Edgar Edgar Wright style, and it would be about studio exec. It would be called Expanded Universe, and it would be about studio executives and their various failed attempts to sell expanded universes. Um, and everyone so, would love it. it sounds great. Uh, yeah, no, that would I think that would actually be pretty good. Yeah, that would be cutting edge comedy. Uh, I, yeah, 
Because it was like sorry. it's like kind of like um, not not necessarily dark comedy. But like uh, I guess you'd say stereotypical British comedy where it always fails at the end. Uh, that's in now, you know, because people are, are depressed. Yeah. Well, uh, if people are depressed, why didn't this movie do so well with the critics, Michael? Uh, that's the question. Yeah, I was going to make a. I was going to do what would have been a good segue if, if only I'd already guessed the box office. I could have said, speaking of depression, what did you think of the film? <laughs> but, uh, but unfortunately, we've got to do the budget. So, I mean, not the budget, the box office. Yeah, how much um, did it make, Michael? I think it made quite a lot. I think possibly it made, I mean, I think it made over 500 million. I don't think it made a billion. Uh, that just seems too much. But I'm, I'm going to go for. Uh, I think I'm just going to split the difference and go 750 million. It's not the worst guess ever, Michael. It's not the worst guess, but it is only six hundred and sixty-eight million. Okay, yeah. Uh, glad I I split the difference because I think I might have erred on the side of uh, going more more close to a billion. But anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah. Now, importantly, did did you like it, Luke? <sighs> no, Michael. I can't say I like this movie. Mm, did well, you like it? I I didn't. I didn't like it, Luke. Um, I, I don't think... It, it, I didn't hate it as much as I was expecting to, but I think the reason I didn't hate it as much as, it, as I expected to is because I remembered all the things I hated. Yeah. And I was expecting them. Because, yeah. like, for example, that action scene at the end, uh, I was expect, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, this is going to be so long and just so over the top and annoying. And I think because I was prepared for it, I think that's kind of the thing with Man of Sheep Steel. People were, like, shocked. So, because of that, no, when uh, I watched it the first time, I was like, what the fuck is this? But now, yeah. like, watching it the second time, recently, it's like, yeah, I expect it. And it's like, oh, it's not as bad as I remember. Yeah, but so that's basically, yeah, only, yeah. It's like, it's like uh, smallpox, uh, you know. Once you've put it once, uh, you, you're not affected by it anymore. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good summary, really good metaphor there. Yeah, smallpox the movie. Uh, uh, so, Michael, nitpicks. Yeah, nitpicks. Okay, so I have... Um, let me actually look at them. Okay, I've got two... How two. many have you got? Uh, I've got... Let me see, actually, because I've got quite a few. I've got more than you, basically. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. See, I, I'll just say one thing about nitpicks. My thoughts were this. When, when I was watching a film, I was thinking, I have a lot of problems with these, this film, but they're too consequential to be nitpicks. Um, but anyway, okay, I'll go first. Um, as always, I'll start with my uh, least compelling one which is um i think henry cavill is too attractive to have been believably bullied you know um i don't understand why every single scene when he's a kid he's being bullied when in reality like i mean this guy would just be getting so many chicks no but that's the thing like when he's a kid he's not that attractive that's true yeah yeah i mean like his jaw hasn't come in yet you know yeah uh, he's he's so attractive isn't he he's and like he, just the, the perfect like face like it's crazy. i know <laughs> That that first, I mean, not first scene, but that scene where he's walking off off the beach and he's got just his massive Superman chest and his perfect jaw. It's like crazy. I mean, like where did they find him? I mean, was he was he really in anything before Man of Steel? No, because, yeah, like they I, just I, thought, let's find the most perfect human being in the world. Like he looks like Superman as well. That's the thing. Like you imagine the comic uh, Superman in the comics. Like he was like he was literally like he was born to play like the role. I yeah. wonder if when he got into acting, was it a case of like, oh, one day I'll end up playing Superman? Like, yeah. that's, that's well, what, you know what he happened was going to do. His dad, he was he was raised on a farm, and his dad was like, "You're you're so I can't, I can't really do a, a Midwestern accent." But he was like, "You're so 
handsome. You were made to play Superman. It's your destiny. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, um, and then my other one is Zod suddenly gets, like, really powerful. Like, they establish this thing where, obviously, Superman is like, um, I've, I've adapted to Earth's environment. And you assume that's because, like, he's been living there for his entire life, which I'm mm-hmm. guessing is, like, 30 years at this point or whatever. Um, and, like, it, it's all, you know, a big thing. And then suddenly, Zod just seems to, like, just with relatively little time become just as strong as Superman, even though, you know, like, 10 minutes earlier, he was physically couldn't even walk because he was so, you know, sick. So apparently, uh, it will only take us... Um, 10 minutes to get used to Mars. Just take off that <laughs> spaceship suit for 10 minutes and we'll be fine. Um, yeah, the thing is, like, I was thinking that at the time, but I didn't put it down as one of my nitpicks. Hmm. So yeah, but that's a really good point. He says one of the reasons why he's like, oh, we've got to destroy the human race by changing the atmosphere is because he says it to um, Russell Crowe. He says, like, and suffer for years like your yeah. son did. But no, nah, apparently it's not suffering for years. Maybe it's just suffering for a couple of hours. And you get used yeah. to it. So, yeah. You could, you know, no need to change the atmosphere. Also, like, they didn't really need to suffer for years. They could have just, like, gradually got used to it. I mean, that probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, there's an old uh, Walking with Dinosaurs episode where... I forget his name. His name's Steve, but not the dead Steve. Um, Bashemi. No, it's a Steve that starts with B, and he's a wildlife presenter, but you're probably not going to know who he is. Basically... Um, yeah, Bashemi. <laughs> Steve Bashemi is not a wildlife presenter. <laughs> anyway... Um, so basically it's the best thing ever because it's walking dinosaurs but it's it's, uh, looking at all of the dinosaurs in the ocean but what's delightful about it is that it's presented like it's real life Um, so yeah now I've seen it yeah yeah, he's got like an oxygen tank he's like you know the 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 atmosphere here in the Carboniferous is so bad I have to constantly breathe in this this oxygen and you just think dude these these dinosaurs don't look realistic at all it's like the early 2000s put yourself out Anyway, what are your nitpicks? Uh, okay, my nitpicks. Like I said, I've got seven. So my first one, isn't it a bit of a coincidence that Superman is born on the exact same day of the Rebellion of Krypton? <laughs> you know what? Okay, so I, I, I do have a general point about that. But uh, yes, yes, it is Luke. Well, yeah, um, here's the thing. Like, it, he's a natural birth, so we're assuming maybe it doesn't take nine months for Kryptonians to be born, but it wouldn't take like a couple of days. Yeah, so, I mean, the, yeah. the other crazy thing, and I guess I'm kind of going to blow my load a bit early because this is a, a general criticism I have of, like, the first act. I guess it's not even the first. It's, like, the first 20 minutes is that they're, like, hammering in so many things all at once that it becomes, like, why did all this happen on the same day? Because, like, first of all, it's the first ever natural conception. Mm-hmm. It's the destruction of the planet. Mm-hmm. It's a massive, you know... Um, rebellion. Rebellion. And then, uh, well, I guess that's kind of it. But yeah, those those three things, or three, four things, all together. And it's like, um, it's it's failing to suspend my disbelief, as they say. Yeah, I was thinking that. It was like, they generally do explain quite a bit of it throughout the, uh, the rest of the movie, what's happening in that opening 20 minutes. And I was going to be like, well, I don't really know the origin story of Superman, but there's a lot going on here, and I'm quite confused. And I don't want to say it's a nitpick, because obviously... Like there's Superman yeah. people who know the Superman origin story will be like, oh yeah, we get all this, it's all explained. But they did explain most of it throughout the rest of the movie, so yeah, it's a yeah. bit shit they just lumped it all at you right away, but I guess, you know, it could have been worse. Um next up. Okay, this one really 
really pissed me off, Michael. Oh, because I think a good this one. is this is incredibly unrealistic. Lawrence Fishburne, okay, right. I don't know what, what's his name. Can you remember? It's like Perry or something. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway, right. He's the editor of this major newspaper, The Daily Planet. Oh, okay, I think I know what you're going to say, but okay. What, what do you think I'm going to say? I think you're probably going to say like, uh, it's ridiculous that a you know major newspaper wouldn't want to report this kind of story. Exactly, uh, Michael. Yes. Exactly. At a time when print publications aren't doing so well, I assume the Daily Planet, you know, is taking a hit in terms of like jobs, like a lot of print newspapers, certainly before Trump came along. Um, hmm. Lawrence Fishburne is going to turn down this story of a Superman, an alien, because of how people will react. Yeah, like, I... Are you serious? Like, maybe it's the biggest story in human history. We're not alone on this earth. There are aliens. And he's just like, nah, you know. Wait, what, what? Think of the consequences. Yeah. See, the thing is, they could have made it like so much more sensible if, obviously, he wanted to print it, because why wouldn't he? And the FBI was like, uh, you can't print this. Because it makes sense, you know, the FBI wouldn't want to print it, but... Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all that any news outlet would not want to yeah. report this. It's like this could be the story of my career. Oh, what? okay, here's what I'm I think like would be that. hilarious. Uh, you know how there's like, um, have you ever been onto the crazy conspiracy side of YouTube? Uh, uh, I, I haven't, unfortunately. There's all, all these videos, like, well, first of all, there's this guy who, who he knows where Atlantis was. Um, and he's got like, his entire channel is all about like, I know where Atlantis is. But the other thing, you get all of this kind of a, uh, like, Babylon was founded by aliens. That's a really popular conspiracy theory. But what I think would be great is if, um, like, you you had an alien film and the people who are actual, like, alien conspiracy theorists were suddenly massive skeptics. But they were like, hold on a minute. This seems a bit too credible. I'm not sure I believe this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the whole idea is they want to feel special. They want to feel like yeah. they know something that the rest of every uh, rest of people don't. So, yeah. yeah. It's why they don't latch. That fuel can't melt steel beams, but but God's laser vision can. It's why they don't latch onto the whole Trump collusion thing with Russia. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's because like, oh well, that's what a lot of people think. So yeah, we don't feel special, even though it's like this massive conspiracy theory, which may actually be true, and like one of the major stories of the century. But yeah, they they don't care. Um. Anyway, next up, why does General Zod want Lois Lane on his ship, Michael? Um, he wants her on his ship so that she can be robed. <laughs> like, it seems like the only reason she's on that uh, ship is that she gets to save uh, Superman. I I think they mentioned, like, um, so obviously there's this scene where Superman and Zod, they're like in this fictional, well, dream-based world, and he's standing on a bunch of skulls. And the thing yeah. is... He's a really good really good uh, at selling his vision to people. Yes. <laughs> and here's the thing, like, Lois says something afterwards when they both got off the ship. It's like, oh, he made me do this. Well, basically, she implies that um, they looked inside her head as well. But that, it may have been a cut scene, but it's not in the movie. So I'm going to give it a nitpick. Yeah, yeah they may I agree. They, yeah, they may have wanted to get, get Lois on to do something, but they didn't show it. So for me, that's just a nitpick. I'm sorry. Maybe they sign? needed her on there because uh, she was the only one who could understand their alien language. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nice callback there. Yeah. Uh, my next nitpick, the iHot product placement. There were various other product placements. Like There was the Nikon there was one. Sears. Do you remember the Nikon one, though? Uh, yes. It's when she raises just... her camera above the, above yeah. the ladder and it says Nikon before... She gets up and it's like, oh Jesus, that's so blatant. But the IHOP one as well, like 
how many times is, is IHOP shown? Like uh, five times? Yeah. <laughs> like, here's the thing. The series... I don't want to be there. I'm worried that a giant superhuman could come crashing in. Yeah, exactly. It's very annoying for, for us because we don't even have the option of eating at IHOP, but it's completely wasted on us. I don't you know, think it's... I don't think it's annoying that we don't have the option of eating at IHOP, to be honest. Well, I, the only thing that annoys me more than blatant advertisements is redundant advertisements. All right, fair um, enough. Um, next nitpick. Why does Zod deploy the world engine thingy over Metropolis? Is, uh, is it because that's where Superman's going to be working in the future? Uh, I th- is it because okay. that's where Lawrence Fishburne is and we need him in the movie some more? I, th- I, I think if there is any explanation at all... It may be because he wants to achieve the, the dual function of uh, creating a new world and also destroying lots of people. Um, and therefore he's like, well, you know what? If I put this here, kill two birds with one stone, start terraforming Earth, and also kill all those New Yorkers. Maybe he just hates New York. I mean, I It's, it's, it's Metropolis, Michael. <laughs> yeah, how silly of me. Um, you idiot. Yeah. I do often think in, like, in this DC universe, where, where are Metropolis and in Gotham, actually, well, no. In Batman vs Superman, they're just across yeah. the bay from each other. That's great. We'll get yeah, to it's that a bit, next week. It's a bit weird. Like, I don't really understand what I kind of wonder is like what was. I don't know if they ever had like a map of the United States in the DC expanded universe, but I don't know. What does it look like? Is it? Um, I feel like it's basically just the same, except New York is two cities. That's my theory. Mm, fair enough. Uh, okay, so my next nitpick. Uh, this one actually is one that I, I don't know if you noticed, Michael, but I noticed it. Uh, so when at the end, when Lois falls out of the uh, out of the ship and she's falling down to Earth, and you know Superman saves her. Uh, obviously, she's falling downwards, but bits of concrete are flowing upwards as the black hole is sucking those uh, bits of concrete in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's she's just falling down. So uh, I th- I think it's because uh, she's heavier than concrete. Um, makes because sense. Because yeah. she is fat. Yeah, very very fat. Like an like Amy Schumer. <laughs> um, final nitpick is at the end of the movie, uh, when Zod is firing his laser beam at that family. Why don't they just like walk past it and escape? I, that, that's the thing. Like they're not actually trapped. They could get around his laser beam. They can just because you know they're trapped. Well, they're kind of trapped between the laser beam and the stairs. But they can. There is a gap they can walk past. So I don't know why they don't just do that. Like that would be my first instinct. Yeah, well, uh, you know what they say, Luke? There are three responses to danger. You can flight, or you can fight, or, or you can freeze. And uh, clearly, clearly they went for the latter one. So. <sighs> Is that <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I was watching it, it was like, no, they, they could just literally walk past this. But, but yeah, whatever, Michael, whatever. Yeah, um, well. Anyway, I think we should get onto the, the, onto plot. the plot. Yes. So, Michael, yes. the plot. Uh, it was... So, here's, here's my opinion. For the first yeah, one hour and 30 minutes, I think it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's all good. Like, it's a regular superhero origin story. You know, the plot isn't too crazy. You know, there's nothing too bad. There's nothing really that good. And it's almost exactly at the one hour 30 mark that it all goes wrong when the fight scenes start to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about the pre uh, before the fight scene? So the first one hour, thirty uh, minutes. Got any yeah, points okay. To go, I'm just go, right. go okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna have a brief look. Okay. okay. Oh wow! I've got a whole load of stuff about the destruction of um of 
Klingon. No, it's Klingon. Klingon. Destruction, uh, destruction, there we go, of uh, Krypton. Yeah, so, Krypton. You got it. Um, I think I, ha- I have one positive. Okay. Um, I did like the world building because it felt like kind of an alien world. Um, yeah, felt like Avatar. I liked the the one little shot of like the animal, and I was thinking, oh, that's an alien looking animal. That's good. Well done. You made this alien world like an alien world. Good job, Zach. Um, but the other Probably one was okay. Um, so I got well. This okay. I wrote down the destruction of Krypton. It's kind of confusing. Um, obviously, we have spoken about that a bit. Um, it, it's just okay. In general, the problem was like here's what I think they should have done. They should have Peter Jackson, the Lord of the Rings, did this film or this film series because, of course, as we all know, because we've all seen Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings, um, what Peter Jackson does is he has like a little prologue at the beginning of each of his films, a cold intro, if you will. And that cold intro uh, sets up the various kind of starting, the, the lore that sets up the Lord of the Rings universe. So yeah, so he, what he does, he doesn't want to overburden people with all of this lore. So he splits it up between the three films. So you've got the first film, at the beginning, a little bit of information, you know, what are the rings? What do they do? Then you get the film. Second film, a little bit of information. Who's Gandalf? What's his deal? Next one. Then there's it. So what they should have done is they should have had like, just start the film with the capsule falling to Earth. You know, because then you don't have all of that crap. Um, and also don't have Zod in this film. I know it's a big change, but just like have, have a little villain because you've got this superhero origin stuff going on and you've got this guy and he's got all of this backstory and he's directly attached to Superman's backstory. Just have the capsule falling to Earth, first scene, then have, you know, um, Superman. He's being raised as a kid. What happens to him as a kid? What are his experiences? I really, I really didn't appreciate, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who hates nonlinear plots. Um, because I can, you know, understand non-linear plots and how they can be useful. But I just think, you know, I think they could have improved it by just having it, you know, be a linear progression. He starts off um, as, as a confused kid, and then he learns it, and then we see him grow. Uh, I think that probably would have helped a bit. And then do a, a second film. Second film, start off. We already know who Superman is. We already know all this stuff. Then you can show the destruction of Krypton. You can show Zod. Zog? Zod? Is it Zod or Zog? It is Zod, one. Okay, Zod. Um, you can show Zod. You can show how he's like a... I don't know. I, I think making him, you know, a, an antagonist before the destruction of Krypton. Oh, actually, okay. Oh, no. I'm going to talk about Zod a bit later. But, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so basically, don't have the whole massive scene at the beginning. And that's point number one. I'll let you yeah, talk about that first. Yeah, no, I was, obviously, uh, we talked about it a bit in the nitpicks about how there was a lot going on. One of the things they didn't explain, actually, in Hmm. that first opening scene, which I'm interested in, they explained most uh, of anything else, but when Zod, Zod's like pure bloodlines and all of that kind of shit. Yeah. It's like, well, aren't they these Krypton babies that are artificially created? So what what do you mean pure bloodlines? I, I didn't get that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, sure, yeah. maybe some degenerates have been going in and wanking on the, wanking on the insemination cells. <laughs> great. What a, what a great, yeah. that's a scandal in Krypton. I think, no, I but, think it's basically yeah. because, uh, somebody can't be a bad person without being a Nazi. That's, that's okay. like a new rule in Hollywood. You know, if, if they're not they, Nazi, they're not bad. They have to be about the pure bloodlines. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, Voldemort was like that. Grindelwald was like that recently in Fantastic Beasts. 
general yeah. zods like that. Always right. have to be yeah. about those pure bloodlines. Yes. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, I don't know what that meant either. Um, yeah, I don't and know. it's just annoying. And also, I mean, I guess you have the other problem of like, how is this society collapsing? It doesn't really explain why it's collapsing because they have interstellar travel. I'm not quite sure how. Yeah. It just yeah. What, what is the cause for this destruction? So I think basically, they yeah they should have just left it until another film because that's kind of how it works. You know, what you have is you have your old, you start off in the present and then eventually the characters discover things about their past as the story progresses and you can have a whole little film about, um, cause, oh uh, no, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Right? Well, this, <laughs> yes. yeah it's, uh, it's a good idea though. Like the second story adds more depth. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like, oh, the first story is just about Superman, the origin story. It's like two hours and 20 minutes long. You can cut some of that down and then in the second one then it starts you know getting into the law yes I think that would be a good way to go and then the second point only other point i really had to make before the uh i think so wait um oh no okay i did have oh no okay no i didn't okay yeah so um uh second point i do think they should have made it more linear i think it should have been uh you know superman as a kid we see him as a kid growing as a kid then he becomes a teenager then he becomes uh you know a, a can't, can't think what the word is like a, a drifter um i think maybe they could have done a bit of like moving around the timeline but i don't know i just felt like it was like we already you know we're not really seeing him grow as a person we're just seeing him as he is and then every now and then it'll be like oh flashback to things that had varying relevance to the plot but in good times they actually were relevant but even then it was just like i mean who's this who's this bozo who's getting swept up a, a tornado i ain't seen him Oh, so, okay. oh, one more thing. The way that he like tells Superman he's like an alien just feels like like it only happened because they needed a scene where he tells Superman that he's an alien. Like there was no reason within that point in the story for him to be like, Oh, by the way, you're an alien. I was just thinking to myself, surely you would either not want to tell him at all, or you would have told him by now. It's just like that, you know, first time that something happens, he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I've got this big little reveal for you to show you you're an alien. Um I just think I know there's a, a little rule for exposition and it's exposition is very interesting. But uh, let's see if I can make the sentence. So the problem with exhibition, this is disaster. Problem with exposition is that a lot, of the, a lot of the time characters are too eager to give away information. That's a, a rule for filmmaking. A lot of the time characters are more, too eager to give away in, information. So the way you make exposition compelling is by having the characters be not want to reveal information because that way, um, you're learning this stuff, but the, the way you're learning it is inherently dramatic because the characters aren't just going, I've got something to show you. Let me tell you all about who you are and where you came from and blah, 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 blah. They're actively trying to keep this information suppressed. So you're automatically invested in finding out this information. That's a really good point, Michael. Yeah. So there we go. So make it more linear and then we can find things out as Superman finds them out and grow with him as a person by watching him progress. Yeah, All and then we good. get onto the action. So okay, I'll let you so, uh, field field most of this one, Luke. Uh, yeah, okay. So as as we've said, so the first one out of thirty, it's okay. Like, yeah, it's regular superhero origin story, perhaps slightly below average, but yeah, it wasn't the, awful. Yeah, but what was awful were these action scenes. So uh, firstly, Superman and Zod engage in a fight which absolutely wrecks Smallville, that's Superman's hometown in Kansas. Yeah. Then they completely annihilate Metropolis. Superman engages in and abets in this destruction. Uh, for example, he destroys Zod's ship as 
he's approaching Metropolis instead of trying to mute it or something like that, which will undoubtedly kill dozens of people when it crashes into Metropolis, you know, into all those buildings. Um, yeah, and I mean, I could go into further detail, but basically, Michael, the point is these action scenes were horrific, not just because of how long they went on for, but because of just the destruction and the innocent people that were killed in a Superman movie. Yes. Uh, it's It was unbelievable when I watched it the first time. The second time, like we said, we were used to it. But yeah, still, objectively speaking, like it, it was very, very bad. Yeah, I, I have one good thing to say, but it's with reference to something that is actually before the action properly kicks off. Uh, okay. I, I did like the scene where, even though there was no reason she was there, Lois Lane was escaping through the ship, mostly because it was kind of like not over the top. Basically, she was just, you know, being guided around by this robot thing and, or not robot thing, hologram thing. And he was closing all the doors and telling her which way to go. And it was kind of like, you know. Yeah, that was nice. Um, yeah. And then, oh yeah, the action, um, the the only thing I really have to say about the action, we'll talk about it a bit more when we talk about Superman, because obviously it's, yeah. it's relevant to his character. But um, the only thing I really wanted to say is that some of, we, they should have built up the character of the soldiers. Like, I mean, just, just off the top of my head, didn't write this down, but let's say uh, when Superman's a kid, one of his friends uh, is, is you know, a, a friend, and he becomes a soldier. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. and then, you know, maybe they die, in which case that's sad, or yeah. they um, don't die, in which case, you know, maybe Superman rescues them. And then we feel good about the fact that Superman rescues them. But mm-hmm. as things stand, it's just like, the only two people we really care about are... Um, smashing each other into IHOPs uh, <laughs> while everyone else is just being destroyed, obliterated en masse. There's actually a, um, a calculation for how many like total people died in um, Man of Steel. And Zach, oh, really? I can't remember what it was, but Zack Snyder, it was in the millions. Zack Snyder was asked about it and he was like, yeah, that's probably accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, like at the end, when Superman does kill Zod, he does it to save four people when Zod has probably killed, and him as well, I guess. It's probably killed like four million. Already. Oh, yeah, sorry. I did want to mention, yeah, because I, yeah. I, was, I was thinking about when you were talking about your nitpicking, you were saying those people could just walk around. I was thinking, well, you know, yeah. it's very important for Superman that he uh, makes sure that those those innocent people don't die. Um, yeah, like and, 100 times the yeah. amount of people have already been killed. And it, that, that does remove the tension of the moment, because I don't really care if like an extra four innocent people die because of what we've just seen. So, yeah, yeah again, um, it's just... It, it, it becomes pretty pretty meaningless um you mm-hmm. know when yes. when people die in most superhero films you're like oh that's sad um and obviously yeah, so sorry go on. I was gonna say, obviously you can have a thing in a film where millions of people die but shameless it, list <laughs> like i don't know i can't think of any examples of it in a superhero film but you oh i guess <laughs> the only one i can think of is is watchman which uh was also directed by Zack snyder but you can it, watchman I think I, I want to talk about Zack Snyder a bit, probably when I round up, just to kind of compare this to his other films. But uh, Watchmen at least takes the death seriously. Like the deaths in Watchmen of the, I, I know you've seen it because Kyle showed it to you. Um, the bit where Doctor Manhattan appears in New York and he just kills millions of people, um, and it's it's a massive plot point that millions of people have died, um, and it's kind of like the focus of the scene in this film. The problem is millions of people are dying, and it isn't the focus of the scene. It's not the thing that the film is concerned with. The film's like, oh yeah, by the way, loads of people are dying. You know, oh yeah, that that massive skyscraper filled with people that just collapsed. But the important thing is that 
Zod and Superman, who are both almost invincible, unless they get their necks snapped, uh, almost invincible, uh, are fighting each other. But these people who are very much not invincible are dying by the millions. Yeah. Well, obviously, in Batman versus Superman, there's things that happen from this fight. Uh, and I think that was because of the bad reaction yes. to this fight. Yeah, and obviously we can discuss that next week. But yeah, generally with this what fight, it was just I, ca- I can't believe Zack Snyder. Well, maybe Zack Snyder, I can believe, but other people just looking at this, thinking, "Yeah, that's all good." Yeah, this this massive fight scene where millions of people are dying, you know. And lo- when Lois Lane kisses Superman, I, like when literally millions of people have died around them. It's just the tone is just so off. Yes, it's just like it's just just not not the right moment for that, is it? Maybe afterwards, you yeah. Know, when they're uh, when they're working together on the Daily Planet, but yeah, and yeah, actually, in the, remember the uh, the final scene, obviously, when he goes to work on the Daily Planet, like I'm pretty sure wasn't they building destroyed or whatever? Now they got it back. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they were just lucky. I'm not sure if it showed their building being destroyed, but um, yeah. Anyway, you know what? This has been quite a good segue to to action. Obviously. Oh, I just want to say, Michael, oh, on that last fine. thing with those four people, when Superman say those four people, when that oh, when yeah. I watched that this movie, what? Sorry, I'm saying, oh yeah. 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 When I watched this movie for the first time, it was back in 2014 or whatever. Yeah. I, I remember being really pissed off at that scene. I remember the anger I felt watching that. It's like r- literally millions of people have died and just these, you've saved these four people, now it's all good. Okay. Yeah. It's like, so dumb. Um, yeah, so that was just, I was just saying the anger that I, I felt. Yeah. But anyway, yes, let's get on to, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, action. Uh, action. I don't think we have much to say, just just uh, in terms of like how it was made. So I really have, first of all, um, this wasn't so bad later on, I don't think, but in the f- opening, uh, there's a scene where, I've forgotten his name. What's the name of the actor who plays the dad? As in oh, the Kevin Costner. No, 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 the other. Dad. Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. For some reason, I was thinking of Kurt Russell. What a disaster! Uh, anyway, what so... if these two characters were in Daddy's Home? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So Russell Crowe starts fighting. I don't know if it's when he starts fighting Zod, but he starts fighting someone, and there's literally like a dozen cuts per hit. He's like moves his hand, and he's moving his hand. There's like a million cuts, and you have no idea what's going on. I think they kind of stop that, and that's because it mostly became CG. So it didn't, you know, they didn't need to cut because the actors weren't doing anything. Um, mm-hmm. That for one one scene, it just really annoyed me. Um, but speaking of it being mostly CG, um, I think this is kind of more of just a discussion point than a criticism. I found the idea of like superhumans just smashing each other into things to be kind of interesting. Oh, in, I found it to be the exact opposite. Incredibly dull. Okay, see, here's the thing, okay? I find it interesting as, like, on a kind of meta-narrative level. So, like, not interesting in the sense of, like, the story being interesting, but interesting in the way of, like, okay, so this is what it would look like if two, you know, invincible, godlike, powerful people were fighting each other. And I was thinking, that's... It's pretty... It's quite something. I thought... I guess I could imagine it being in an intelligent film, kind of like a deconstruction of the notion of action itself, because all they're doing is just like they can't even can't even harm each other because they're just so crazy. Um, and I was just thinking, oh, you know what? Um, it's not it's not interesting, 
in terms of you know my concern for the characters but i'm just like oh yeah you know isn't that something and that's my <laughs> okay that's my compliment no yeah okay. I, I was thinking yeah like i was thinking i would be interested in seeing uh i i would be happy to see a superman film where it was good in other respects and then just uh at one point you i i kind of just appreciated the confusion of just like wow this is just crazy um I, i'm fond of like it kind of reminds me of the scene in obviously they're played completely differently tonally um which i guess that's the problem because in avengers there's famously a scene where loki is just about to go on a big megalomaniacal rant and then the hulk picks him up and smashes him all over the place and yes. that's what i was thinking of so it's like tonally it doesn't work but so that's basically what i was thinking i was thinking like it would work in a way if you almost made it comical uh also another example uh super, no terminator 3 uh there's a scene where arnold schwarzenegger fights um some woman in a bathroom and it's just hilarious like she's picking him up just smashing him through walls she picks up a toilet just throws it on his head hilarious okay that's what they should right. have had. i think i get what you're saying like this would be funny if it was if the tone was yeah if it was absurd you you, pr- you like the absurdity of it yeah is that what you're saying i yeah. also like the scene in superman 3 where a woman gets turned into a robot and then uh she fights superman okay so well, the problem obviously i think you've said with this the tone is that it's the complete opposite of, of absurd it's a very serious movie yeah you take it very seriously so yeah yeah very um, serious Mm. and obviously then they just they're just punching each other like one punches one five blocks the other comes back and punches the other five blocks it's just pointless really yeah also like um there's no like i think i will say this i haven't written it down but i think the thing that would have made the action more interesting is a sense of coordination because i did not really enjoy the massive fight scene at the end of the avengers but compared to this i mean it goes without saying but compared to this it's really good. Uh, and um, the thing that made the, the fight scene in the Avengers, as much as I consider it to be a bit overindulgent and all that stuff, what made it good is that the characters were cooperating. They were each doing their own thing. Um, and if, if you have, for example, like, you know, the army attacking from one position, Superman attacking from another, they're working to, you know, do all of these things at once. They've got to contain Zod, but at the same time, they've got to contain citizens. Maybe you'd have a scene where, you know, the army's like, we've got to land a helicopter on that building so we can rescue the people inside. And Superman be like, don't worry, I'll handle Zod. You know, like communication. And then Zod's got his henchman and he's like, you know, you take, go get Lois Lane and I'll go take Superman and that kind of stuff. Like, that's how you make action interesting, I think, uh, especially if there's no stakes in or yeah, if the action itself can't just be interesting on a level of two people fighting each other because they're superhuman and one of them's a main character, so you know he's not going to die, the only way you can make it interesting is by at least making it have that kind of chess quality of, you know, coordinating, moving things around. Yeah, I I completely agree. Well, I think they they could have done anything, just <laughs> add anything and made it more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, speaking of Superman, let's talk about Superman, Luke. Okay. Um, did you get the uh, Jesus imagery in this movie, Michael? Yeah. Uh, Did you get it? Because, like, you know, when he goes into a church and Jesus is right behind him. Zack Snyder is such a genius. It just, like, it doesn't... It doesn't... It's not as good as the scene in Spider-Man 2 when those New Yorkers pick him up and they pass him, like, to the back of the, the, the <laughs> tube and he's, like, in, in the Jesus position. Uh, that's much better. So there we go. Um, it just... The thing is, it. so I hate to be a bit theological, but the problem is it's not earned at all because the whole point 
if we're going to talk about Jesus, the whole point about Jesus is that he is God he, and he is so powerful that he could have, you know, just killed all of the Romans, killed everyone who wanted to, to take him out. But but he didn't because he, he died for peace. That's like the whole point of Jesus. Um, so <laughs> the idea of comparing Superman to Jesus, who in this just smashes people into buildings, doesn't doesn't really make any sense. I mean, like that's the problem. I mean, even if Superman acted like Jesus, it would be kind of a a bit obnoxious. But the fact that there's no reason really for him to be compared to Jesus, because they they're not similar at all, uh, just makes it even weirder. I guess it's just artsy. Yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, Zach Schneider, as we've seen, he does like um, for his movies to. I don't know to, to, to evoke more. evoke very strong yeah yeah I guess he, he wants things to seem meaningful so yes. obviously I, that means being very sacrilegious um, mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> yes but yeah, and, and at the end of the day it's just two aliens punching each other going through buildings but yeah I mean the thing with, with Superman like I think in this movie there's so much emphasis of him being like the chosen one and like oh he's so oh, yeah the whole much- uh, like he's I don't know if that is from the comics, but yeah. the whole he's the only like natural birth. Um so and obviously that's kind of like got uh it's it's like similar to obviously the virgin birth, except in yeah. this case it's the only yeah. yeah. Yeah, and but but he's like there's this idea and his dad, both of his dads say it, like he's so much better than humanity, you know. And throughout the movie he looks so cool. He doesn't actually help anyone. Like the oil rig it's the only time yeah. he does something like I, I was going to say, uh, he does, yeah. He does do some Superman stuff. Uh, also, when he's a kid, he helps people, which is kind of weird. Like, I mean, that's yeah. that's the problem again with, like, uh, the the way the story is told making no sense. Because mm-hmm. when he's a kid, he he's already a super. Like, if anything, he becomes less of a superhero. When he's that's a kid, a he's like, yeah. uh, you know, oh, I'll save everybody. All in the day's work, man. Up, up and away. And then just throughout the film, he becomes increasingly less of a superhero and more of just uh, a weapon. Yeah. Great. More of, yeah, more of just a guy who thinks, like, he owns the place now. Like, yeah, I'm better you. I'm Superman. I'm so cool. Like, when Zod throws a truck at me, I'm not going to try and... It was in the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was in the he yeah, like, he dodges it. Do you like, know what it, it reminds you of? It reminds you of when, like, uh, when I was a, a kid... Um, one of the things that everyone used to like to try and do was if a door was closing, they'd sneak through it just as it closed. Yeah. But it basically was like, even if there was someone behind them and the teachers like had to have a word with people about it. They were like, you know, you can't sneak through the door at the last minute. You've got to hold it open for the person behind you. Cause otherwise, you know, it's just annoying. Cause then you've snuck through the doors closed behind you and everyone else is stuck. <laughs> basically that's, that's what, um, Superman was, uh, He's yeah, he like was the it, one ducking through that door, not holding it open for anyone else. It it crashes into this building, this truck, potentially killing like millions of no, not millions, sorry, yeah. <laughs> potentially killing, let's say dozens, dozens, yeah, dozens, dozens of innocent people. Like instead of stopping the truck, he just dodges it. I mean, he looks cool while he dodges it, which is, I guess, what Zack Snyder cares about. Yeah. But his desire not to save innocent lives uh, is really shown. There. Uh, and he's got no concern really for all the people who have died, which is completely opposite to what Superman is meant to be all about, Michael. Yeah, it would. The thing is, like, you could have uh, a a story arc around Superman where he, 
gets so he gets caught up in a big battle and then it would have to be early on you know like yeah. in your uh he gets caught up in a big battle and he does fail to take account for collateral damage because obviously you know uh, on some level he's like invincible so you can maybe understand that he wouldn't be fully cognizant of how the fight that isn't harming him at all could be really horrible for other people uh especially in the, the heat of the moment obviously he's he's a rookie he has done stuff the problem is number one like i said he's he's already a better superhero at the beginning of the film than he is halfway through yeah uh he doesn't and, grow he doesn't yeah, and, yeah yeah number two there is no real reflection on the sheer amount of destruction so yeah anyway, he doesn't uh, even but, try to yeah. drag zod away from metropolis either like he's just fine with fighting him there like yeah, yeah you're right if he did have that moment of reflection like oh shit millions of people have just died and it's it's partially my fault oh no but yeah, he just he he gets even more cocky after that. He decides to destroy a fucking surveillance thing. Yeah, is, but it's okay because because he's hot. Yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, I, you know what? This that scene uh, where he dodges the the truck that reminds mm. me of a uh, something that I think it was in the Red Letter Media review of Bat- it was Batman v Superman, and um, I think it was Rich Evans who was like, uh, oh <laughs> no, no, no yeah, so they. They got this. Uh, they imagine the story in which Superman picks up a bus full of children and throws it <laughs> and throws it at Doomsday. <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, Superman! There's children in that bus. It's <laughs> 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 just like that's yeah. perfect. That perfectly sums up like this. This particular Superman just doesn't care about saving people. Just cares yeah. about looking cool. Just um, killing the villains. Yes. Uh, speaking of cool, uh, I did like the scene where he impaled that guy's truck with logs. Um, like yes. a fucking badass. Again, it's not very Superman esque. Yeah, I don't know. I like, I mean, again, it comes down to the fact that it would work if you had a film about Superman. Great. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like obviously you've got the, the famous scene uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. If the point of this film was, you know, Superman learns to be a, a superhero. You know, he, he's, he's a superman, but is he going to be a, a superhero? Um, I don't that's know. a good point. That's, a good that's, point. That's, that's my way of phrasing it, yeah. Um, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that sounds like something a character yeah. could say. Like, maybe his dad, like, yeah. you're, you're a superman, but you got to become a superhero. Yeah, and he exactly. points, And he prods his chest up. He, he looks up at the sky. Yeah. He's like, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. Super. Uh, anyway, um, I have, like, a few... Uh, okay, I'll say this. Um... Other thing, I think he should have had his job at the Daily Planet earlier because um, Superman living a double life helps to humanize him. The problem is there's not really many scenes in this film where he's forced to act like a human being, which means that you can't really identify with him as a human being, Uh, especially when he's an adult. Like Obviously, when he's a kid, he's kind of being a human being. And some of the stuff towards the beginning where he's being a drifter, He's being a human being, although at that point he's kind of being a loner human being, so it doesn't really work. But if he had, you know, uh, a scene, he's at the Daily Planet, he, he, he asks Lois Lane on a date, he's a bit nervous. Um, like literally anything, but yeah, just something to show, like, oh, he's got some of the relatable human struggles because he's, he's got to be uh, secret. Then he would have been so much more relatable, but instead he gets the Daily Planet job right at the end, so... Yeah, you know, it's a bit a bit too late to make him seem like a relatable human being when he's just murdered yeah. a million, <laughs> you know, just casually let a million relatable human beings die. Yeah, and here's the thing: like, I guess you could say, well, they're setting up the sequel, you know, so 
it's okay. And this movie's like two hours and 20 minutes long already, so they, they have the scene where he joins the Dale planet, that's going to be another 10 to 15 minutes. So, you know, it's like, uh, it's fine, just save it for the next movie. Yeah. But I do yeah, agree. They, they can't need... cut down that action scene at all. No, I definitely can't. <laughs> but they need to, um, they do need to humanize him a bit more. Yeah. I mean, like, the thing is, they, they could have done a thing where, like, he has a romantic, you know, the romantic interest, because Superman Returns has, like, the, I mean, it's kind of the classic thing, but it's like Superman, he, he lifts up, I think it's been in, like, a whole load of Superman films. He lifts up Lois Lane. And she's, you know, flying. She's kind of just in awe at the fact that she's, you know, flying in, in the sky. And she looks around at the lights of, of Metropolis. And mm-hmm. it's beautiful. And they're up in the sky. And he's embracing her. Um, and not, nothing like that happens in this at all. Uh, there's no there's no heart. Well, yeah, that was... They have that kiss, like I mentioned before, but that's, like, during, yes. like, the, the death scenes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, the kiss... Does it, like, like the kiss is basically it's it's how you say so out of place. Yeah, it's how you say oh they're in love, but nothing is really established why they would be so in love. I mean the thing is like he's it doesn't hot. help exactly. Yeah, it doesn't help that he's so hot in a way because it just means like um I don't know, like I kind of like how in um the other thing is when he works for the Daily Planet he kind of wears glasses. I know like glasses don't really make somebody unattractive nowadays, but Hollywood is still stuck in this mindset of like you know. Oh, they're wearing glasses. They must be unattractive. Um, so he wears glasses, um, like gels his hair into a kind of nerdy little gelled hair thing. Um, uh, hunches his shoulders. Like generally speaking, he doesn't want to appear like the super masculine Superman. Uh, and that means that if Lois falls in love with him, it's like, oh, you know, it's probably at least got something to do with the fact that he's like a nice person because he's not being a super sexy Superman. Um, but in this film, he's being super sexy Superman all the time. So. You know, I mean, yeah. And to be honest, like any girl would, because just imagine, like, what would it be like? He'd be like, she'd be like, I want you to destroy me, like you destroyed all of Metropolis. <laughs> that is, oh, that'd be a great, uh, great skit. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, I, I think that'd be, like, if if when they have sex, they like end up destroying loads and loads. Of, like, just, just. They have sex. Like I can only have sex by uh, my favorite position is flying through skyscrapers. Oh, kinky! <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, destroy people like you destroyed Metropolis. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful. I have a really minor criticism. It kind of feels out of place because so many of the criticisms are huge. But there's a really weird scene where, like, he he's it's kind of a good scene because it's explaining why Superman is powerful, which is quite good. Like it's saying, like, uh, you know, you have been raised to live on Krypton. Which has a, a the Krypton sun is later in its life cycle, which means it, it's darker, it's dimming. Um, but the Earth sun is much younger, therefore the Earth sun has a lot more energy. So Superman, who's evolved to live on a planet with relatively little energy in its sun, is now on a planet with lots of energy, so he's really powerful. It's explaining all of this, and then he just randomly crashes into like the ice, gets up, and then it just continues. Continues the the voiceover. I'm like, hold on a minute, what? Like it doesn't. Like it kind of made me think of the Iron Man scene where Tony Stark crashes into the desert. But the thing is, when he crashes into the desert, it's like a thing that happens, and he's like, oh damn, I crashed into the des- into the desert. But Superman, he's just like in the middle of a voiceover, <clears throat> gets up. Oh, guess I just crashed into that snow, and then it continues the voiceover. I'm like, what was what was that? I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. relatively minor uh, in the grand scheme of things, but and. I only have one more thing to say about Superman. Okay. Do you have anything else at all? Um, yeah, I do actually. 
Well, why don't you go next? Okay, well, I just wanted to talk about Superman's, like, motivation. Like, okay, yeah, that's good. His philosophy towards Earth and humans. I think it could be clearer, like, because I I think he, he does feel, like, attached to humanity, but there's no, there's not really anything that... He, he wants to save Earth, obviously. Yeah. But there's no, like, I would appreciate a line of dialogue, like, these are my mm. people. I, yeah, well, you know what would have been a, a very good opportunity to have a, a film that explores Superman's relationship to Earth? An episode, a, a film, sorry, where somebody who came from Krypton came down to Earth and uh, decided to terraform Earth into Krypton. Okay. That's forcing Superman. No, I'm, I'm actually, I am. That's <laughs> forcing Superman to choose between Krypton and Earth. The problem is, first of all, the film doesn't, it doesn't, I don't think the film is actually dialogue-heavy enough. There aren't any like, dialogue scenes. Yeah, where... exactly. But, uh, but yeah, the other thing is... like, Which is weird, but yeah. I think, I mean, again, I, I keep coming back to the fact that Dodd should have been in a second film. It should have been, so you've got Superman, the origin story, mm-hmm. uh, and just like a minor villain. I don't know, like Bizarro, Parasite, those are the only Superman villains. I, know, I don't know. Doomsday. I know maybe. Doomsday, yeah. Doomsday's like a bit more major though, so... Um, uh, he's the he's in the Death of Superman comic book. Oh, yeah, so someone like Parasite, you know. I mean, do you know who Parasite is, Luke? I don't know who Parasite. Yeah, is. Exactly. So that's why you have him. So you got Parasite, and uh, it's like Superman. He he obviously becomes a hero. Parasite happens. He goes to defeat Parasite. Maybe, for example, in defeating Parasite, he causes some civilian casualties. Thinks, oh no, you know, I caused some civilian casualties. That sucks. I've got to learn in the future to be conscious of, of Earth because of that. Then you've got your second film. Dodd shows up, you know, well, first of all, the second film starts, shows Superman's origin, shows uh, the Krypton thing, introduces the character of Zod. Dodd shows up, and then Zod's like, hey, Superman, um, I'm going to turn Earth into Krypton. And maybe don't make Zod a Nazi, because it makes him completely unsympathetic, which means that Superman rejecting him is made much less uh, relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then have Superman be like, no, I, I love Earth. I've been here for two films now. Uh, I've grown as a person here. And Zod would be like, well, damn, I guess we're going to have to fight. And Superman's like, okay, but not here. Cause there's, you know, loads of people around. And Zod's <laughs> like, yeah, okay. And that would be, there we go, that's your two film. And you know what? They would have made twice as much money because they would have made two films. Yeah, I would like... Twice as much money and two films that are better. Yeah, I would like a fun dialogue, like, oh, I'm human, I, be- I belong in this yeah. world. You know, I think there's, there's one kind of good line, but the problem is it's Kevin Costner who says it. He says, like, um, I can't think what the line is, but it's like... Uh, Oh goodness me! Oh, is it like you, oh, it's, it's like oh no, it is. No, 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 no. It's the line. Um, Superman says like, uh, "I'm not from here" because he he's just found out he's like an alien, and he says yeah. like, "Oh, I'm not from here." And Kevin Cosner says like, "No, you're 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 as much of an an Earth. I don't know." He says like, "You're you're as much from here as anyone else," or something like that. So basically, he says like, "This planet is yours as much as anyone else." I don't know some line like that. Yeah, I'm probably love... making the line sound slightly better, but. Yeah, I would have loved like if he would have said that to Zod. Yeah, like, when yeah. They, when they before they fight. Like just, a bit of reincorporation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, reincorporation, a bit of strengthening his motivation, you know, and yeah. be like, oh, this is what he's fighting for. And yeah, yeah. it would have been good, but yeah. You know, yeah. it's not the coolest thing to say. Yeah, Superman it. has no real reason to uh, care about Earth. Yeah, I exactly. mean, especially the other thing is, like, the fact that he's a drifter, the first half of the film doesn't help because it basically means he's already completely removed from society. So he's, yeah, not, he's disillusioned with Earth. Yeah. yeah, he's not an active member of, like, Earth. So why does he even care? Yeah. I mean, obviously um, he saves the world, so it's like pretty clear what his motivation is. But it feels like he's just saving it out of an obligation, like he kind of has to. Yeah. He would like it to actually like, see yeah. him being passionate about saving the world. 
Yeah, like, exactly. This is something I really want to do because I I am effectively human. Yes. Earth is my is my home, so that's what I'm going to do. But yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'll I'll do I'll do it because you know I'm Superman. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's kind of it's what they call writing backwards. Mm-hmm. He, yes. he is Superman, therefore he does Superman things, uh, and he always will do Superman things, and therefore it doesn't matter how he ends up doing them; it just matters that he's going to do them because he's Superman. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so I did have, I'll, I'll do my one thing now. Okay. Um, I think we should talk about Superman snapping Zod's neck. Okay. Um, so obviously, there's one immediate problem with it: the fact that he snaps Zod's neck to save like four people, even though millions of people have died at this yes, point. Yes, yes. Um, I think, on balance, it's worth noting, Superman isn't Batman, so obviously uh, Batman shouldn't kill people full stop. you got to tell uh, Zack Snyder that one. Yes, I know. But yeah, Superman isn't Batman, so it's slightly more justifiable him killing people. Uh, having said that, he shouldn't be a straight-up murderer. Um, I think... I think, again, the problem is that this was his first film, because that establishes a precedent. Uh, if it was like, you know, his, his first film, he doesn't kill the person, he, you know, uh, just defeats yeah, them. Yeah, uh, and gets locked up in jail, like yeah, what exactly. happens with Lex Luthor. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Lex Luthor, obviously, you want to keep Lex Luthor around, because Jesse Eisenberg, what a great actor. Um, you want yeah. him in your franchise, then? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, you, you have him not kill somebody in the first one, and then maybe later on, you could have something where it's like, he's a really, you know, we, we know Superman's a good person. It's been established Superman is a very good person. So maybe two films in, maybe even three films in, we know Superman's a good guy, uh, and suddenly, this villain comes along, and they're, they're too powerful, and they're too evil, you know, we know how extreme they are, and then maybe you could have Superman kill them, uh, because fundamentally, you know, Superman isn't Batman. He does have his limits, and therefore, you know, if, if it was like Superman had already shown himself to be a really good guy, but Zod comes along, he wants to destroy the entire planet. He's just as powerful as Superman. Superman realizes, you know, the only way, and maybe even has a scene about it where he's like, you know, I, I don't want to kill him, but I know that at the end of the day, either he dies or everyone dies, and he's he's really conflicted about it, and then. Maybe, you know, Lois Lane gets fresh or something. He, he just has to do it. That would be good. But the problem is, yeah, it just seems like, okay, so Superman just kills people, right? That's how he solves his problems. And yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I was thinking when he killed Zod and he was like, no. Yeah, I mean, the no, was, no, the no was quite good. Yeah, I mean, well, the no was quite really good. It was consistent with his character. But yeah, the fact that he did seem like upset about it. But yeah, but the best thing. He did seem upset about it, but I was like, oh, he's upset about it. Like, yeah, I that's the like, yeah. oh, I, I didn't think he would be, but yeah, that's the he weird. is. Yeah. Well, you know what? He doesn't, he doesn't, even though loyalty is to Earth and not everyone, he doesn't care that millions of people from Earth have died. Yeah. But he's very upset that somebody from Krypton has died. Not just right? anyone from Krypton, a Krypton yeah, Nazi. Yeah, yeah, Krypton Nazi. Um, it's kind of like uh, somebody who like will complain about uh, a black rapper for talking about hoes and booties and stuff, and then they'll say, um, but you know, Hitler was actually really good for Germany. That's basically that's what that's what Superman is the equivalent of. You kind of is it, what you should have said. You should have had seen where he says, "If I kill Zod, that will make me just as bad as Zod." Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, Michael, who do you want to Zod. talk about next? Yeah, Zod. Let's do uh, it. Let's talk about Zod. Um, I have two things to say. 
um, both of which are related to right at the beginning. So Okay, go for it. Number one, having Zod be evil um, already, as in he's already an evil guy on Krypton, I think means there's too much going on. That's what I was going to say when I was talking about how it's a bit confusing, because it's like um, you could have just had... Um, uh, a little deconstruction of Doctor Who. You know, he 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 was maybe even making him a respected general. So we're not. Exp- I mean, obviously, if you know the comic books, then you will know this. But we're not expecting him to be a villain. You know, he's he, maybe he's actually fighting actively. He's like um, when they're having their little council about how uh, Krypton's going to be destroyed. He would be the person who's like, we must defend Krypton. We must defend the people of Krypton. We must rather than walking in and murdering a bunch of people. Maybe he's actually honourable. He's like fighting to keep Krypton alive. And that means when he shows up later on. We're thinking, oh, it's you know Zod. We know him, but then he reveals that you know he he is very nationalistic in such a way that he wants to protect Krypton at the expense of other societies, and that you, could be his little thing. You've got a lot of very good ideas here, Michael, because that's another idea I really do like. That like this guy who you see earlier, and you're like, oh, he's Zod. We know him. He's a good guy, but he you slowly realize, oh shit, he's not. He's he's very dangerous. I, yeah, yeah, that was that would have been great. And then. The other one, again, it's to do with there being too much. So you've got, number one, he's already uh, a fascist Krypton Nazi, and he's our main villain for the film. Um, and then on top of this, there's also the line where, and this line annoyed me a lot, considering it was just a throwaway line. I think the fact it was a throwaway line made it annoy me. Um, Russell Crowe says, you know, I- I'm loyal to the man you once were, Zod, not the man you've become. And it's like, okay, so like now he's an evil Nazi guy, and he's, you know, our villain who wants to re, you know, terraform Krypton and all that stuff. And also, he was once this really good, noble, honorable person. And I'm just thinking to myself, again, like, they could skip a step here. They could have him be a good, honorable person at the beginning of the film. And then he becomes a, uh, a bad person. And then they just, you know, yeah, just take that, that middle bit out. And it's fine. Oh, yeah. So basically, yeah, those are my two yeah. things about, um, and then, and then you could have maybe even, uh, Russell Crowe. Um, because obviously he doesn't know that Zod's evil, uh, could be talking to Superman. He could be like, um, you know, uh, as a hologram, he'd be like, oh yeah, one of my best generals was Zod and he was really, really good. And then obviously then Zod comes down, he's evil. And then Superman's like, you know, you've become a bad person because you've let your nationalism corrupt you. And there we go. Anyway. Yeah. So what did you want to say about Zod? Uh, no, I agree with those two things. Uh, but I just want to say actually one of the good points of this movie is when Zod at the end is explaining his motivation, which I would like Superman to be doing, but Zod does effectively explain like why he wants to transform Earth into Krypton. He's like, I was bred to save my people. That is what I'm doing. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. pure bloodline thing and the Nazi stuff is like, uh, makes him a bit, bit just too evil. Yeah, it's too far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but, but like, sorry, you can sympathize no, with yeah. him. If like, like he's been like born to be somebody who's going to protect his people, but obviously he's going to try something like this, I guess. Yeah, the other thing is, um, the fact that he has that line, basically the only reason he doesn't want to spare human beings is because he doesn't want like small amounts of discomfort for um for, for a couple of I mean he says years, it turns out to be a couple of minutes, but whatever. That's that kind of again makes him a bit I think it would have been much more sensible if they would have made it so Superman was the only one who could survive on Earth because he'd been born there, and you could make it so, you know, the Kryptonians would never be able to survive on yeah, Earth. Yeah, well, he, he wasn't born there. He, so maybe he grew up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, grew up there. Yes. Oh, yeah, the fully grown Kryptonians. Their bodies never can't be adjust. Up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then it would be like, hey, it's, it's either, you know, live 
in space forever in spacesuits because they can't uh, breathe or live on Earth forever in spacesuits because they can't breathe or mm-hmm. terraform Earth and things like that. And that's, that would make him, obviously, you know, he'd still be a murderer and a bad guy. It isn't a bad thing. He's mm-hmm. supposed to be a supervillain. It yeah. wouldn't be as ridiculous. It's just like, oh, I don't want to... Oh, it seems like it'll be really annoying because, you know, I'd have to get used to the, the air. Basically, it's like the equivalent to someone who's like really cozy in bed. He doesn't want to go out because it's cold. That's his character motivation. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was it, like the bare bones of his motivation was good. The idea of like he, he exists to preserve his people. Yes. Um, Krypton, Krypton, Uber Alice, as mm-hmm. they say. Um, yes. Um, yeah, the problem is, yeah, there's too much complication and also... Yeah, for some reason to not just be like, hey, maybe we could coexist with humans. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else about Zod? No, I got nothing on on General Zod. Okay. I do uh, want to talk about one of the characters. Though. I thought you. Yeah. Can you guess I mean, who that character might, might be? I would assume, uh, just based on relevance to the film, Lois Lane. It's not Lois Lane because okay. <clears throat> I don't really care about her. In this yeah, movie. I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say yeah. We can talk about like, her. Yeah, I mean, like I say, uh, she, she's ostensibly important to the film because she's the love interest. Um, but let's be honest, well, I mean, she's a journalist first and a love interest second. Michael. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, again, the problem is that Superman isn't working at the Daily Planet. The romance, I mean, basically, it's just a general criticism of the romance. Really, uh, it's not that involved. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she seems like a nice person, not really a a bad character. Yeah, she seems like a good character, a good character that isn't really that explored. Like, I assume, I, I, I fully trust that if she was more actively involved in the plot, it would have been good, because she seems like she's kind of a good character, I guess, largely because I've forgotten her name. What's the name of the actress? Uh, what, Amy Adams? Amy Adams, yeah. How did you forget a, her name? A, oh, I'm a disaster. Uh, yeah, Amy Adams is a good actress, so it made uh, I guess it's also, in my head, I was just like, oh yeah. It's the same character as the one from um, Arrival. I just mm-hmm. believe that in my head. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we don't have to talk about her at all. So, we, I am curious. I mean, maybe I could guess. But which character do you want to talk about? Uh, I maybe want to talk Kevin about, Costner? Yeah, Kevin Costner okay. as Jonathan Kent, Clark's adopted, yeah. uh, adopted father. So, this guy, this fucking guy, right? First off, when, uh, when Clark's explaining that, uh, obviously, he saves that all those kids from drowning in that uh, school bus accident. And he says, well, what was I going to do? Let them die? And he just <laughs> goes, oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a tricky one. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing, like, you make a good point that he becomes less of a superhero throughout this this movie. Like, his, his adoptive father is holding him back from being yeah. a superhero. He's always like, no, yeah, just let those bus filled kids die. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. don't save me from this tornado. You know, just let me die. You know, it's just like, what the, why? Yeah, and also the fact that, like, he receives relatively little backlash from the society around him, that just makes his dad look like an idiot. You know? Yeah. At least all- if at least if he got backlash from the society around him, his dad would be vindicated. Yeah. But- yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, he doesn't really, he, he's fine. Like, there's no, yeah. like... Yeah, the only reason bullied. why yeah. they turn against him is because Zod is threatening to kill them. Basically, if Zod hadn't been threatening to, you know, kill them all if they didn't hand over Superman, they probably would have just been fine with him. Yeah. And then and at a, the end of the film, they are fine with him. And another thing, he, I think his dad says something like, you're destined for great things. You can be the bridge between... Hum- no, no. Humanity, you can show humanity the way you can be the leader of humanity. You can show us what we can be. So yeah. isn't don't so isn't that... You, you want him to 
show his powers then? We want him to show what he can be. And so <sighs> when when can he do that? Like when he's in the car with you in the tornado, he looks about 18, 19 yeah. years old. Is is that too early? Yeah. Or is like he needs to be like 25 before he can start doing those things? I, I don't know. Yeah. I just didn't didn't get like what his what Kevin Costner his whole point was his whole thing about uh, Clark Kent was. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, he's uh, uh, know, just all over the place basically. Like, do you want him to hide his powers? Okay, you you do. You so you want innocent children to die, but when will it be okay for you to use those powers and become a leader for the whole of humanity? You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Right? I don't think he really thought that much about it, to mm. be honest. Zack Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, he's not... I mean, the thing is, like, a lot of the characters kind of just... They don't... It's like the characters... A lot of the characters don't seem to have a point. Like, it's not like any... There's, like, the... the You could have the father be the one who delivers, you know, wise words of advice. And, you know, the mother delivers a different perspective. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. They could have each had a way that they feed into the hero's arc. But mm-hmm. instead, it's kind of just like Zack Snyder... Just like, oh, just make him say something. Uh, you know, say, oh, you've got to hide your abilities, but at the same time say, oh, you've got to be the hero. I feel like, yeah, every single character, like, the, the dialogue doesn't come from a place of character. It comes from a place of screenwriter just sat there thinking, hmm, what's a cool-sounding piece of dialogue? Yeah. I know, you were destined to great things. Who says it? Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, That's I guess. Zack so. Snyder, yeah. Um, anyway, you know what, Luke? Here's my thoughts, okay? I think we've become. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give us a round of applause. I think we've become more efficient uh, because I felt like we've said a lot, but we've only been talking for an hour and twenty minutes. So I don't know. We we've got something something going here. Like we've become much more efficient at making points. Uh, like I thought this was gonna be a really long podcast. So we've we've got it's a big film, but yeah, we've we've done it pretty much. I think we're all pretty much done. You got much else to say? Nah, nah. I think we're we're all so, done. Yeah. Uh, I think just uh, as an aside, obviously, this is the first episode of our DC Ember yes. uh, run. And uh, obviously, yeah, I think we should talk about the DC EU. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what it's called. The DC EU, possibly at the end of Justice League. In yeah, next time. yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah. I think we need okay. to discuss it, particularly in relation to Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, definitely. Yes. Um, but yeah, it is quite late when we're recording this, so we'll yeah, definitely yeah, say, we'll say that, that later. later. Yeah. I think um, it's better if we yeah. do it later. Yeah. Apart from that, do you want to wrap up? Yeah, I'll wrap up, Michael. So, Man of Steel, uh, a disappointingly depressing film, which gets worse as you go on in the movie with the action scenes in Smallville and in Metropolis. Uh, Superman shows no remorse for the millions of people that he is partially responsible in killing. And also, like we said, we've got, I've got a problem with the Superman character. Like He's treated like a god from the very start of the movie, so he can't really grow as a person, which obviously is quite crucial for a superhero movie. That's one of the, I mean, we talked about the Spider-Man movies before, but the way Peter Parker grows in those movies is one of the reasons why they're, why they're so good. Uh, and as you put it out, Michael, he does become less of a superhero throughout the movie, which is a bit of a problem. should really be the opposite way around. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, Zack Snyder, uh, he, he's... He, he, I don't know how he got this job of being uh, the director for all these massive DC comic book movies, but fucking hell! Like, I, I can't, I can't imagine somebody doing. Of course, the, the tone of this movie is very depressing, very dark, and that's him, you know, down to the T. Uh, Watchmen is a movie, is a superhero movie, which is incredibly depressing. I, actually, what's that movie that Kyle 
Schroeder's Michael. Oh no, I was actually thinking about that just the other day. It's it's sucker punch. Sucker punch. That's it. Yeah. Sucker punch. Yeah. Similar kind of uh, similar kind of tone, which is obviously the complete opposite of what a Superman movie should be. Warner Brothers made the completely uh, completely wrong mistake hiring Zack Schneider. You've seen his body of work. You know what kind of things he's going to bring to the table, and you hire him to make a movie about a guy who is, or who should stand for truth, justice, and the American way. And, you know, he should be like, up, up, away. Don't worry, man, I'll save you. I'm here to save the day. You know, all of that kind of attitude. Yeah, and he shows none of it in this movie. And that's really, along with the action scenes, why this movie is so bad and unwatchable. Uh, and, yeah, it's just quite, quite shit. Therefore, Michael, I think I'm going to give this movie a 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh and as for me, uh, well, this film, I think it's worth just briefly looking at uh, Zack Snyder because I quite like uh, 300 and I quite like uh, Watchmen. And in both cases, it's because Zack Snyder uh, is very good at making faithful adaptations of comic books. And what I mean by that is taking comic book stories, because 300 was originally based on a comic yeah, book, yeah, not originally, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Uh, taking comic book stories and pretty much just using the comic <laughs> books as a storyboard uh, and you know doing scene by scene for each thing. And there's a reason why he's very good at doing that. It's because he's very good at the stylistic stuff. Um, but there's one thing he's not very good at doing, and that is coming up with his own original story. So he's very good at adapting 300, very good at adapting Watchmen. Unfortunately, Sucker Punch was his first uh, story he screen wrote, and there were all sorts of problems with that. Um, and while I don't know if he was officially the writer for the story, I'd imagine as the director, he was very active in crafting the story. Yeah, I, I know actually in, in Batman vs. Superman, he said that we came up with a whole new story. So that implied he yeah, was exactly. involved in that. So yeah. he was probably involved in this as well. Yeah, so I imagine he did have writers there, but ultimately as a director, it was his final call. And he's not someone yeah, who's like, yeah, basically, I mean, to be honest, I, I just don't see what he can do anymore. I mean, maybe, maybe if he was forced to direct a uh, faithful adaptation of a Superman comic book, he could do it reasonably okay. But the problem is I just don't think Superman comic books are his style. So I don't know. Maybe when they do Watchmen 2 or a Watchmen prequel, he can probably do that. And it will probably be good because it will suit his style and tone. But uh, the way he's made himself, you know, only do these hyper-stylistic, hyper-dark films means that there's not too many films he can do and it will get boring after a while uh as for the film itself uh yeah i mean basically there were some good elements um it was you know uh well <laughs> it, it, it was it was kind of competent but the problem is all the all the pieces were there but they were in in the wrong order in the wrong place and with the wrong emphasis um and i kind of struggle with where to put it i don't think this film was you know uh, I, I don't think this film is like so bad. It, it was terrible. If you get, I don't think this film is like uh, well, I, I like I imagine. Crazy. Yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it was like one of those films where I just like, wow, this was uh awful in every sense. It was just awful, all things considered. And for that reason, um, I'm going to rank it above what I consider to be uh the top film for the films that I consider to be serious missteps, and that is Mamma Mia. Uh, so it's, it's going above Mamma Mia. However, I'm actually going to put it below uh, The Grinch. Um, wow. So, 
There we go. It's between The Grinch and Mamma Mia. But if you're interested, it's actually above The Last Jedi and Jurassic World. Um, mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, what did I give? I give Mamma Mia 3 out of 10 and I give this a 4 out of 10. What did you give The Grinch? I gave The Grinch a 4 out of 10. Okay, yeah. That kind of... All right, anyway, yeah, so there we go. Um, there we go, yeah. Uh, I think that's all, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, thank okay. you. Thank you for listening. Uh, we have been selecting and reflecting on Man of Steel because of the DC Ember. By the way, we're doing this DC Ember thing because of the release of Aquaman, which I believe comes out the 21st of December. So that's why we're doing this. Uh, mm-hmm. Not just because yeah. it sounds really cool, DC Ember. Uh, yeah, next week we'll be doing another great Zack Snyder DC uh, universe movie, Batman versus Superman. Oh, sorry, Batman v Superman. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have the S in the verses. Um, yeah. So yeah, Batman v Superman, which should be really fun to go through. Yeah. Um, yeah, can't wait. So who have you been, Michael? I've been Michael, and I've been Luke. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, P.S. Um, I love you. I want to mention how. DC Comics stands for Detective Comics Comics. Oh yeah, that's a Simpsons thing, isn't it? It just annoys me so much. Anyway, um, but yeah. <laughs>